0: it's vancouver's podcast on the canada's podcast network hello everyone i'm angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of british columbia's podcasts part of the canada's podcast network your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across canada We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. Today, we're talking to Yuri Fulmer. Uh, A little bit about Yuri. He's a serial entrepreneur who arrived in Vancouver from his native Australia as a teenager, and he rose from being an A&W attendant in 1997 to owning a $60 restaurant portfolio within seven years. This included seven w franchises, 27 pizza huts, I just got to read this list, it's pretty crazy, in both BC and Alberta, including Mr. Mike's and a bar chain. So uh, pretty exciting stuff in the hospitality field. Yuri then sold off his restaurant portfolio to start Fulmer Capital Partners in 2010. So since then, he's had many successes investing in small and mid-cap businesses and helping them grow. But of course, giving back to his community has always been a big part of Yuri's life. Some of his accomplishments, which is pretty crazy, but I've got to read off a couple because they're pretty impressive. He has received Canada's Top 40 Under 40 Award in 2010. Yuri has received BC's Community Achievement Award, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal, and the Order of British Columbia. It's pretty impressive, but I think you'll uh, agree with me when you read it. For uh, somebody who's so accomplished, uh, you're pretty down to earth. It's so great to meet you. You're welcome to Canada's podcast. Thank you. So just to kick off today's conversation, just tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how you arrived here.
1: Yeah, I was a total accidental entrepreneur. Right? I was actually uh, working for a uh, trying to build a corporate career. You know, I was thinking maybe one day I'd be the vice president of something uh, somewhere. Uh, and then uh, a went through a restructuring. So they decided uh, to franchise a bunch of their corporate restaurants. I would have been out of a job where uh, I got the chance to buy an a and so, uh, uh-huh. never never occurred to me. Went home to the bank of my mom and uh, <laughs> said, any chance, you'd uh, put your life savings on the line for me. And uh, crazily enough, she did. Uh, so, between that, my severance package, a bit of a bank loan, and uh, the beloved bank of mom. Uh, Bought a little A&W in New Westminster, B.C. Oh, wow. Eight of us were in polyester on the first day and making (laughs) a lot of teen burgers and french fries. And uh, (laughs) the rest kind of came from there. But, uh, yeah, total accidental entrepreneur. No entrepreneurial background at all. Never thought of it. Never occurred to me until uh, somebody gave me a big shove.
0: Well, and it sounded like, I mean, a little shove to get to a $60 million restaurant portfolio. How how did you go from one to the big portfolio?
1: It was crazy. So, you know, one to two was okay. Uh, You know, then we sort of, you know, went from two to three and then three to four and then sort of four to seven and then seven to 42, Wow! um, sort of 42 to 50. And uh, I got to tell you the wheels come off the bus. Uh, We were expanding so fast. Uh, You know, you're adding office staff, you're adding a lot of debt. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was about a year and a half that I think I worked about a hundred hours a week. 52 weeks of the year. I was on the road. I actually counted 240 nights one year. Um, You know, and that was just to keep the wheels on the bus. I'd love to say that was to make something wildly successful. Right. We expanded way too fast and without the infrastructure. And we just had to, I was grateful to have a great team at the time, but we were just running to catch up.
0: Right. And now you did say we expanded. That was you and the team?
1: Me and a team, uh, you know, it was pretty well the same team right through all that expansion. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, hardworking folks, uh, you know, we just all knew we had to knuckle down, right? Like there was, there, there was no limit to the amount of work that had to be done in a day. Right, yes. Uh, the limit to the number of mistakes that we all made. <laughs> uh, you know, whether you're cleaning up your own mistakes or cleaning up uh, the person next to you's mistakes, you know, you spent the first half of the day cleaning up yesterday's mistakes, <laughs> the second half of the day trying to get something done. But, uh, you, know, you make it through, right? Everybody perseveres, you make it through. And uh, suddenly you, you got a decent business that uh, seems to be running okay. And then you said, what can we do to improve on it?
0: And I'm curious on the kind of timeline where you felt like you were not scrambling so much, was it kind of three to four years into the, into the flow of growth or what was that kind of milestone?
1: Um, so I, I think every entrepreneur has a different story. For me, it was a bit yeah. of a decision. Uh, you know, I was probably fifty pounds overweight. Uh, you know, unfit, unhealthy, sleeping badly. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're tired. You're tired all day. You go to bed tired. You know, you know you're eating badly. You know, you're probably drinking a little bit more than you should. Uh, so for me, I hit two hundred and forty-two pounds and said, I can't keep doing this. Right. Uh, so for me, it was a life choice. It wasn't, uh, oh well, you know, great, the business is at a place where I can change my tune. Yeah. It was my health is now at a place where I don't have a choice. You know, you, you can only go and buy a bigger pair of pants so many times and say, well, one day I'll take care of this. Don't worry. Like next time I'll take care of it. Uh, you know, and I think I went from a, a 34 to a 44 over the course of about two years and said, I just can't keep doing this. Like, right. At what point do you wake up and say, you know, I actually want to be alive to, to enjoy what success might come. And uh, for me, that was sort of get back in and change your approach. Here. And then you well, realize you didn't need to do all of that. You know, I, you know, do we all have to work hard? For sure. We did. Do we all have to work as hard as we did? Probably not. You know, we right. were working that old adage of we were working, uh, you know, hard, not smart. I think it was probably true. You know, we didn't right. know, what we didn't know and uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. And you're trying to grow this thing and you, you, you don't see the part out until something comes along and says, you need to think about this differently. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, it was weight and help.
0: Well, and uh, now that leads me to ask a, a question that's a little unscripted here, but, um, ironically scaling back sometimes can be one of the biggest entrepreneurial challenges, right? So you've created this kind of monster with momentum. I mean, how did you go from then having this big portfolio and that kind of hours to scaling back to the, you know, the portfolio or the, the lifestyle where you are now?
1: Yeah. You know, I think every entrepreneur has a different story. And, and you know, when I talk to groups of, of especially younger entrepreneurs, you know, if you go into your own business because you want your own business and you want to do that to do it the way you want to do it. So if working a gajillion hours and, you know, working through your vacations, if that does it for you and that gets you going, then that's yeah. what you should do. Don't live right. other people's lives. Live yeah. the life that makes you happy. If yeah. that doesn't make you happy, then change it. Uh, You know, it's the thing, you know, you're not, if you don't like where you are, change it. You're not a tree. Uh, You can move. So, you know, for me, uh, the the things that I learned I didn't enjoy doing was I didn't enjoy having a lot of people reporting to me. I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy having a job where people relied on me showing up in the morning to provide leadership. Some people thrive on that. That's great. I don't. Uh, So I sort of had to make that transition to say, what is it that I think I might be good at? So you make that list. You make the list of all the things you suck at, and that's usually a much longer list. <laughs> you know, then you make the list of the things that you enjoy doing, usually a short list. And then you make the list of things you hate doing, which is usually a longer list. You put those four lists on the table, and then you say, well, what does that equal, right? What's the, what's the job in that, or what's the business in that? And when I looked at the things I like doing, like I like working on the strategy of business. Like I like trying to envisage where a business could be and how it could grow and where it could end Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. I love working with uh, motivated entrepreneurs, like folks who love their business, are passionate about their product or service and want to grow it. I love working with folks like that. And I hate it when people come and tell me the photocopy is broken because I just don't care. So, you know, now what do I do? Right. So that's, that was for me in 2010 when I said, what I want to do is invest in great entrepreneurs and great business leaders who want to build something really cool. And I'd like to help with the strategy. So that sort of morphed into from running this big thing with thousands of employees that all sort of seem to have to report to me eventually to doing what I do now, which is, uh, helping, business, you know, investing in businesses, investing in entrepreneurs, helping them grow their business, helping them with the strategy of their business, helping them with the capital structure behind their business so they've got the money to grow, uh, and then just watching them blossom and watching people do their thing. I don't have to show up at seven in the morning to do that, right? So right. that's one of the things I'm not good at, is showing up at the seven in the morning and holding a chair down, uh, and it allows me to do the things I like.
0: Perfect. So th- tell me, let's let's launch into a little bit of what Fulmer Capital does. What what's your ideal market segment? I mean, you described it as far as entrepreneurs doing great things, but if you could be a little bit more specific, and then what's the actual service that you provide?
1: Yeah. So uh, we did we do sort of look to two different types of businesses. One we okay. do what people would call venture capital, which is okay. you invest in early stage companies. It's usually a great entrepreneur who has a good idea. For a product or service and they've gone part way so they may be fairly early stage in it maybe they've got some customers already maybe they're almost ready to have some customers but they've got a great business a great business plan they've got a trajectory they've got an idea they know how to build out their team and they're saying we either need money to do that or we need a little bit more know-how to do that in those instances, we've got both money and we can help them assemble the know-how if we've got sometimes we've got a bit of the know-how in-house uh, but we can usually find people, uh, you know, whether they need board members or they need advisors or but to round out their executive team, we can help with those. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of one piece. The other side is the equity investment where we uh, buy small, mid-sized companies. So companies sort of, uh, that are you know, established, they've got a great track record, it's good business. They, know, they understand their product or service. They understand who their customers are. They've got a good leadership team. And we'd acquire almost all of that business, usually in partnership with uh, members of the management team who would own a piece of the business. And okay. those businesses will own forever. So good cash flow producing businesses. So uh, maybe it's somebody selling their business. Maybe it's somebody who wants uh, to transition their business to the management team, but the management team doesn't have enough money. Uh, you know, we're finding a lot of there's a lot of great businesses out there with uh, owners who are in their you know, 60s, 70s now maybe hoped that the business would go to their kids and the kids might not be as interested as they thought they were. Or, right. Uh, you know, they're sitting there saying, I know I built this really neat business and I feel great about it. Uh, I kind of don't want to run it anymore. i uh, getting old, want to retire, want to enjoy life, want to go to Palm Springs, whatever it is. Now what? Uh, and, and we're able to come in there at that, those points and often keep their management team together and make the management team owners as well and then help that business continue to grow.
0: How do you find clients, Yuri?
1: Um, it's pretty old fashioned to be honest. Uh, you know, that old school networking stuff that they taught us 20 years ago, you know, of staying in touch with people and, you know, inviting people to things and yeah. clicking out articles that they might be interested in. I mean, you can do that digitally now, but it's the same, same idea. Picking up the phone. Uh, and worst case, you know, if I, if I see a business that I think is interesting, I had no trouble picking up the phone and finding out who the owner is and Actually. getting in touch with them. And I'm patient. Uh, you know, I, we, we acquired a business last year where I met the owner about eight years ago. We just stayed in touch and uh, eventually she was ready to, to sell. Uh, you know, we're in no rush here. So uh, happy to...
0: And how big is your team now? I know you said you didn't want a whole whack of people.
1: Reported yeah, to you, but the team here is five. It's uh, probably never going to be much more than five. If the yep. business needs more people than that, it's probably going to have been grown too big at that point.
0: Right. And I guess that is, so what is the vision for sort of five, 10 years down the track for you in with Fulmer Capital?
1: keep doing what we're doing. Uh, so yeah. on the venture side, uh, you know, love to find more entrepreneurs who have great ideas and want to, want to build businesses. So we just, we would keep doing that. And that doesn't take a lot of resources from us. Uh, you know, usually right. those entrepreneurs know what they need to do and they just need a bit of money and a little bit of help. Uh, so they're off to the, the races, so to speak. Uh, and on the equity side, we'd probably, you know, we've got four businesses today. We'd probably max at six. Uh, is okay. handle. Okay. Uh, we would look to continue to grow the existing businesses that we're excited about. And uh, we're on the lookout for one or two more. They have to be the right, the right fit for us.
0: Uh, and if you could wave a magic wand and, and add two more to your portfolio, what, what would they be?
1: You know, I'd love to do something in manufacturing just because I, I, I haven't before. So okay. I think that would be interesting and love to do something in uh, the financial sector as I haven't before and I've, I'm kind of, you know, really nosy and curious. So I like to learn things that I haven't learned before. And, uh, you know, I've had some uh, corporate board experience in those sectors that I'd love to bring to bear for a, a business that was uh, looking for growth.
0: Awesome. Now you talk to, you're in Vancouver. Most of your clients are in Vancouver.
1: Uh, you know, so all of our businesses are headquartered in Vancouver. Uh, okay. A number of them do business nationally and globally. Okay. But uh, we sort of made—I I made a decision that I didn't want to do as much travel. Businesses, sort of, I, I, I would go as far as Toronto. I think. So we've invested in some companies that are headquartered outside of Vancouver. But okay. for the businesses on the equity side—they're all headquartered here.
0: Gotcha. Me, so you would have some pretty good insight on the doing business in Vancouver. So can you provide some insight on what are the Biggest opportunities and perhaps the biggest challenges of having a headquarter in Vancouver.
1: So, so I think one of the it's both an opportunity and a challenge. Vancouver is a really small business community. Uh, You know, everybody knows everybody. It's uh, you know you bump into the same folks. If you can build a a reputation for being a straight shooter and uh, pretty honorable, and having integrity, and doing what you say you'll do, I, I think you can do really well here. My grandmother used to tell me, if you blot your copybook or make uh, make too many enemies, that gets out pretty quick too. Uh,
0: There'll be an Australian interpretation after the show. (laughs) Subtitles,
1: right? You got subtitles. Subtitles.
0: Glossary uh, of terms.
1: Exactly. Uh, (laughs) We'll throw another shrimp on the barbie at some
0: point. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, But you know, I think if you make uh, if you make too many mistakes, you you may not recover from them either.
0: If you describe, say, two or three key resources that either you use now in your business networking, or your or an essential business resource, that might be a you know professional group, or a conference, or an event series that you attend, or a particular um, business resource, periodical. What would be two or three things that you would recommend uh, business owners in Vancouver? take take advantage of
1: yeah one of them is going to be a bit uh, a bit odd it's the have the humility to pick up the phone and phone people and ask them questions when you don't know when most business folks are uh, trying to be supermen and superwomen hmm. and uh, struggle through so they'll try and right. find the answer themselves when somebody else has had that experience before right? Right. somebody else has gone through that they know exactly what you're going through and they can tell you what worked or didn't work for them Right. Pick up the phone and ask. It, it is a small town here. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, most people answer their own phones. Uh, and if you phone or email somebody and say, would you mind if I took 10 minutes of your time to ask you a question? There, there are really few people who won't give you that. Right. Uh, and respond. Take people up on that. Build that network of folks who know more than you. And then tap them on the shoulder politely for advice, uh, you know, when you need it and, and have the humility to say, I don't know the answer. Uh, right. or I'm lost, or I'm confused, or I'm worried I just made a huge mistake. But have some humility. Uh, you know, when people see that you have that humility, they're really willing to help. Right. Uh, when you phone people and tell them, I have the right answer, can you please confirm that I'm as smart as I think I am? You, you don't get as much cooperation. Right. But when you say, look, I'm, I'm actually a bit vulnerable here. I, I don't think I know what to do, and would you would you give me some guidance? People are really willing to help. Right. Uh, so that'd be sort of number one. Number two would be to build you know, there are a lot of great uh, sort of CEO peer forums, and there's some are for profit and some are not for profit. And I'm part of YPO, which is a young president's organization. And uh, you know, I certainly have lent on a lot of people in that organization over the time. But whether it's one of those or whether you just build your own network uh, of folks that uh, you, know, you build a relationship of trust with, uh, where there's some reciprocity. So if you're always leaning on them and you're not available when they need to lean on you, it's probably not going to work out very long where, you know, you have folks that whether you go for a beer with them or meet them for lunch or go for a walk on the seawall and, and just spend that time chatting about business. And mm-hmm. again, I'd say that the key in that is to be vulnerable as well. If you want to show up to lunches or CEO peer forums and tell people how smart you are, and how great your business is, you're going to get exactly zero value out of that. Right. If you want to show up and talk about what you don't know, that's when people can help you.
0: And is there any other, so YPO is a particular network you're involved in. Are there any other sort of key resources you say to somebody starting up a a business? Oh, you've got to call these people or you've got to be at this event.
1: Like I'm a terrible networker. I hate going to those events where people, you know, I come home with 20 business cards and I can't remember who any of these 20 people were. And I get called the next day from people trying to sell me copiers and, and, you know, insurance. I I hate those (laughs) things. You show up to places where the kind of people you want to hang with hang out and you show up authentically. So for me, a big, you know, it's not the reason I volunteer in the community, but a lot of the the people who are now friends and business colleagues and business acquaintances I met while I was volunteering.
0: Interesting. Um, Okay, well, let's just segue into that a little bit. Um, Tell me what your most... Um, time, or not time, what what volunteer gigs are you doing right now?
1: Yeah, so I chair the board of United Way, uh, SunTrade Canada, and SunTrade is United Way in the province of Quebec. So it's uh, the the national umbrella organization that uh, uh, helps the 82 United Ways and SunTrades that exist across Canada from coast to coast. Uh, As a collective, we raised $560 million last year to uh, help uh, make uh, Canada a better place for Canadians. Mm -hmm. Uh, wow. So that's sort of, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, being a Western Canadian uh, on a national board headquartered in Ottawa, it's automatically a bigger time commitment than that. Yes. It might be for a Central Canadian. But I'm passionate about the work. I'm passionate about the organization. And, you know, the nice thing about volunteering is you get to meet people being the best they can be. Right? You know, in your normal day, you meet people, some at their best, some at their worst, some having a good day, some having a bad day, some people are pissed off, happy, mad, sad, glad, all of those things, right? But when you show up to volunteer, you, you're by and large the best version of yourself, right? You're committed to helping others. You're being altruistic. You feel good about yourself, right? That's the best version of yourself. So you show up as the best version of yourself. You're surrounded by a room full of people being the best versions of themselves. It's actually a really positive environment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it allows other people to see you at your best. So you know, as I said, of the the, the people I've met in in Vancouver and now nationally. Some of the best business relationships I've made have been through volunteering wow, because we're all there fantastic. motivated to help people and we're all being the best, best we can be.
0: So there's a lot of um, output of, of energy you're giving to companies, you're giving to um, United Way. How do you recharge? Right? What's, your, what's your voltage meter? How do you charge it up?
1: I was going to jokingly say I drink, but that's, that's <laughs> not... That's not we can have a private conversation about that later. Yeah, do Everybody likes a good glass <laughs> of wine, right? Like yeah, that's kind of, that's of, kind of mandatory. Um, uh, it, you know, for me, I actually find the community worker recharge. So, I, you know, I find showing up to do good with a group of people doing good. I find that gives me a lot of energy. I, so those things I'd say, don't drain me. I'd actually say right. those help fill the tank. Uh, on the personal side, you know, I have a cottage on Vancouver Island that I Absolutely adore. It's my happy place. Uh, The second I touch the doorknob, I relax. You know, I know where the spatula is in the drawer. It just feels relaxing, and I I love it. Uh, I love to fish. You know, one of the beautiful things about Vancouver is the outdoors. is so close and so accessible. Right. Love the backcountry, whether it's hiking, climbing, uh, fishing. Love to sort of, you know, be part of not the city if that makes sense
0: absolutely get into it. it's so proximate right that we're we're both fortunate really across bc to have the outdoors right at our back at our uh doorstop right it's, yeah
1: it re- i've been blessed to travel every corner of this province I, there's there's no part that's not absolutely stunning
0: when well, you talked a lot about about travel before what does your day-to-day look like now? Do you live close? To work close to where you live? Do you, is your team all together in an office? What What does your environment look like?
1: So uh, I, I live about 22 minutes from work, and yes, I do time it. Uh, it's 22 okay. minutes in, about 25 minutes home. Uh, and you know, everybody, people criticize commuting. I actually really enjoy it. Uh, it. It's my time to get my thoughts assembled for work on my way yes. in. Yes. Uh, on the way home, I either return calls. Uh, or it's that time to sort of put work behind you and be ready to be with your family and to actually really be with your family rather right. than open the door and still sort of be debriefing the day in your head. I'm a bit of a late work starter. I 9.30 sort of feels about right <laughs> uh, to get to the office. So I'm I'm generally the last person here. Uh, and I kind of think unless you've got something like an event in the evening or a um, you know, a business deal, I, I sort of think five o'clock sounds about right to end the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a seven-year-old stepdaughter at home, so being home in time for dinner is, is pretty important to me. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of the office, I'm an old school guy. I, I like to actually have an office and I like to have the team who works together try and be uh, around. Mm-hmm. Uh, some folks do work from home some days of the week, but everybody has a desk and a chair. and. You know, I'd say most of us are here most of the time unless we're actually traveling um, right. for, work or for volunteerism. So I, I just like the ability to, if, if, you know, we're in a bit in the ideas generation business. And sometimes when you have an idea, you know, if you have sort of 100 ideas a day and you operate on the basis that 98 of them are stupid and two of them are really good, uh, you need to bounce the 98 off somebody right. else that they can tell you they're stupid. Otherwise, you'll chase 100 ideas. Uh, you know, and if you work for me, if I work from home, I'd be chasing a hundred ideas. If I work here, people will actually slap me and tell me, "No, no, no, 98 of those are really dumb." Yep. Focus on these two. So that's pretty from, good teamwork. Always makes sense. Awesome.
0: What is uh, what's on your bucket list, either personally or professionally, in the next twelve months?
1: Um, a couple of, so a bunch of travels on my bucket list. Uh you know, this place, I, I've been lucky to do a lot of travel, especially when I was young, you know, being Australian, uh, every Australian kid goes for walkabout. You yeah. can put a little subtitle. That's, yeah, that, that's in the yeah. glossary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, uh, you know, when you come from an Island, you kind of got to get off. Uh, so I went traveling for about a year and a half before I got to Vancouver. Uh, I was supposed to be here for three weeks. It's been 25 years. Uh, good story. Uh, but there's a couple of places in the world I, I definitely want to go—from Antarctica to uh, a safari. To uh, my wife is uh, uh, Ukrainian originally, so we'd love to to see that part of the world too. Uh, so travel definitely is exciting. Uh, you know, my wife and I are expecting a child, so uh, ah,
0: congratulations!
1: So we're expecting in December. So for us, that's uh, going to be that's a really big—you big uh, know—and I'm a bit of an older dad. I just turned 45, so. You know, it's sort of been something I've been looking forward to for a long time. So I'm excited to, to do that. I, that's been on my bucket list for a while. So that's uh, and so that's, this
0: is your your first.
1: This is my first you biological your
0: stepdaughter, and then first biological. Okay, awesome. Exactly. Congratulations, so Dad.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exciting. We'll have to uh, at some point cross paths as you come over to the island and meet this little bubba.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So can, of- you can show me how to change a diaper. <laughs>
0: I'll leave, that's the one part of being an auntie that you just don't have to do. It's great. Put um,
1: the hand in yeah. the back. Yeah. yeah. You can walk me through it from the door.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, so a few fun rapid fire questions, Yuri. What so we can get to know a little bit more about you and what inspires you? What What book is sitting on your shelf as a must read for fellow entrepreneurs?
1: So I'm actually the, what I'm reading right now is uh, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. And somebody gave ah. it to me. In, like, I, I honestly don't read a lot of business books. I'm a real fiction reader. But this one, I'm actually, so I read it. I started reading it a bit grudgingly because somebody gave it to me. I shoved it in my bag. I got on a ferry to go to the island and I had nothing else to read. So I thought, <laughs> oh, well, I'll suck it up and read this book that somebody gave me. And I'm actually really enjoying it. Uh, you know, I think it's a bit of an extreme case study. It's the book about uh, the folks who founded Basecamp the software company, uh, uh, who've taken sort of a a really extreme view of uh, uh, how to run a business. But there's something to learn from that. So I I don't have to carbon copy it, but I think there's something to learn from that. So I always enjoy being challenged by ideas that are so different from mine. But then you sort of think, well, there's got to be something I can take from that.
0: Absolutely. Where is your favorite place uh, to go for a uh, quintessential glass of wine?
1: Uh, so my patio and my cottage in Qualicum Beach.
0: Okay. Well, since I can't just introduce, like invite myself there all the time, if you were to pick a commercial venue, what would be your favorite spot? <laughs>
1: uh, for a glass of wine in Vancouver, uh, in summer, it would be a restaurant called Lyft in Harbour. Okay. Awesome. Best patio in the city.
0: And, uh, you are well-traveled, which is, uh, very privileged. Um, what's your favorite place in the world outside of Vancouver and why?
1: Uh, the greatest city in the world is Paris. By ah, so It's Paris number one, and then there's a huge gap, and then there's a whole bunch of other great cities in the world. But uh, the, the, the way Parisians live and the look of the city and the lifestyle and how people dress and how people care about how they show up uh, just makes it the greatest place on earth.
0: Wow, fantastic. What are two or three non-negotiables as part of your morning or evening routine?
1: Uh, I have to eat breakfast. Uh, if I don't get breakfast by about 10.30, I'm ready to eat people. <laughs> Some of my team will throw food in the door and then close the door and hold it shut <laughs> until I've eaten it so that I'm back to normal. Uh, so absolutely mandatory. Uh, I like to exercise in the morning. If I don't exercise before work, it'll never get done. And I'm awesome. a seven-to-bed guy.
0: Well, and this this is a little bit of a fun question If you were stuck on a tropical island, I'm starting to get to know you well enough that I think I know the answer, but I'm going to let you answer it ourselves. You were stuck in a tropical island in the middle of the ocean, no cell phone, no internet connection. You had a phone booth where you could make one call. How long would you last on the island? And what would you do when you were there?
1: Mm, So I'm on my own on this island. You are on your own. Yeah. See, I don't. I, I I'm a real people person. So being on my own, I'd probably give it a couple of a couple of solid hours. Uh, <laughs> then I'll be swim somewhere.
0: And so you make a phone call. Who do you call? And would it be to join you, or would it be to get the hell off the island?
1: Yeah. Can I call a helicopter to get me off the island? <laughs> Is that possible?
0: Awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, Yuri, how can people get a hold of you post podcast? What's the, what's the best? Means of-
1: yeah. If you go to our website, uh, it's formerandco.com. There's my direct email and my direct phone number there. I answer my own email. I answer my own calls. Uh, I get back to anybody who, if I'm not on vacation, I'll get back to you within 24 hours. It's my commitment. And, uh, I just love meeting entrepreneurs. So whether I can help or whether I can, uh, help you find what you need somewhere else, it'd be my pleasure to just to have a chat.
0: Hey there. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.